Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. This is the Blackburns Show with Kirsty Stanway, celebrating all things women's rugby on SENZ. For ticket info, head to blackferns.com and catch all the action this season. This is how you play rugby. Like a Blackburn, let's go! It's a song, Destiny's Child, Survivor, about strength and courage, and it's exactly what our Blackfin show every time they pull on that black jersey and take to the field to represent our nation, Aotearoa New Zealand. Welcome in to the Blackfin show on Monday, the 11th of July. Kirsty Stanway here with you. Ben Francis, the producer of this program, who does a fantastic job as well. It's great to have you back. This is round two for us. We started two weeks ago. It's going to be a fortnightly show, uh, and as we said last time if you're joining us for the first time this week the show we want to inspire people we want you to get to know our black ferns on a deeper level we want you to get to know their stories their journey into rugby and their journey uh, to the black jersey as well Uh, and we want you to to jump on this journey because the rugby world cup in new zealand the rugby world cup opener is just 88 days away We play Australia. New Zealand takes on Australia in the first match, and it is going to be huge. If you haven't got tickets, go and get some tickets already. Uh, The first match being played, of course, at Eden Park, and would love to have you there. We would love to sell it out. Surely we can sell this one out for the opener and hopefully sell out uh, all the pool matches between uh, Waitakere Trust Stadium in Auckland and Whangarei as well. It is going to be a fantastic display. The best of the best from around the world coming together for five weeks in Aotearoa and we will do our very best to host them as well. What's coming up on the show over the next hour? Well, we've got Black Ferns assistant coach Wes Clark coming on to talk about the trial match uh, between the Black Ferns possibles versus possible on Friday at Pukukohi Park. He's the assistant of the Black Ferns. We're going to get his story as well. Uh, He was born in South Africa, came to Auckland to play rugby, got injured, got into coaching. Manawatu, I think, was with first. Uh, But I want to find out how he got into the women's side of the game and what the differences are coaching uh, men compared to coaching women and finding out a little bit more about the players uh, that is under his belt currently. Dr. Farah Palmer. She's an absolute legend. She needs no introduction at all. She's coming on for our history lesson. Uh, of course, she's a former Black Ferns captain, world champion. She's the vice chair of New Zealand rugby. She's on the board of the Māori rugby as well. And she's got a trophy named after her. Of course, the Farah Palmer Cup, which kicks off on Saturday. Just six days away from the Farah Palmer Cup kicking off our provincial competition here for women in New Zealand. And she's an IRB Hall of Famer as well, part of the originals that won the 1998 Rugby World Cup. So... It is going to be fantastic to have Dr. Farapup come on the program uh, and talk about where the women's game was and where it is now. It is a fascinating story and we cannot wait to share it with you. 
Before we wrap up the hour, we've got Taylor Johnson coming on, who is a Sky Sport commentator, great friend of mine, very lucky to have her on the programme. Uh, we sort of started together with Sky Sport. She's an incredible woman. She played sevens and fifteens for Manusina Samoa, representing her people. Uh, she competed on the World Seven Series, but incredibly uh, diligent and smart woman as well. She's got a double degree. She's a lawyer uh, and an accountant as well. Uh, she's got her refereeing certificate. So she's a woman of all trades. She can do everything. Uh, and we're going to talk to her about her journey into the commentary box um, because it's not always easy uh, to get into the commentary box in rugby, but she's been doing a fantastic job and she's going to preview the Far Up Palmer Cup for us as well. The Blackburns Show. Quick hits. Yes, well, one thing making news over the last couple of days, it was the Black Ferns trial match on Friday night in Pukekohe. 46 players got to show their wares. So important, this trial match, because currently there are only two more matches uh, ahead of the Rugby World Cup. The two matches for the Laurie O'Reilly Cup between New Zealand and Australia, one on each side of the ditch. So for some players, aside from the Palmer Cup, this was their last chance to show the coaches exactly what they've got. It was Rawata versus Nali Nali, which was Possibles and Possibles in Tongan and Fiji. Rawata forwards were so dominant and they were led superbly by the cool-headed 10, Victoria Sabritsky nafatali We've got a few highlights for you. Liana Mikelitsu'u breaking through defenders, as we see her often do. And Sabritsky Nafatali decides to go for the crossfield kick and waiting out for the ball was Rene Wycliffe. And they got the first try only a minute and a half into the game. It's almost from Kelsey Tanetti, just one year out of school. Now they've thrown the ball off the ground there, but the referee will play on. Mikaela Tull offloads. Kalone Vale, she gets it to Duplessis. Some fancy footwork and support play from Eloise Blackwell. What a try to Rawata. But the full-time score will be 59 points to 5 to Ngali. Yeah, it was a comprehensive performance, that's for sure. There were some returning players coming back from injury. There were some players coming back that had been dropped for the Pacific Four Series that got to put their foot forward. And I tell you what, they did a blooming good job as well. And you heard Kelsey Tanetti, just a year out of school. We have serious serious talent uh, in this Women's Rugby World Cup squad, our Black Ferns squad. The depth is quite unbelievable and it's going to be great to get Wes Clark up uh, and speak about it. Well, he joins us now live, our Black Ferns assistant coach, and we're so lucky to have him on the programme. So, Wes, welcome in uh, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what did you think of Friday's trial match? Good evening, Kirsty. Thank you for having me. Um Oh, look, I think firstly it was an exciting game. Yeah. Hopefully um, the viewers at home enjoyed it. I thought it was a step up from probably um, most other things we've seen this year or, or even last year. So I thought the intensity was really good. It's a little bit unfortunate that, um, you know, the one forward tackle probably dominated the other forward tackle a little bit. Through that, maybe a bit of a score blowout as one team got good quality ball and the other team probably didn't. So it's only a disappointing thing. But other than that, it was, it was really excellent. What did you want to get out of the trial match as a coaching group? What were you after? What did you ask of these players? Well, it was, firstly, it was a genuine trial. So um, we wanted people to stick their hand up. We, Smitty and I both presented to the group um, when they came into the camp um, before they went to their coaches. Um, it's important for us that you know they were clear on defence and attack, what, what some of the things were we were looking for, um, the detail stuff. And it was really, what was really good to see was some players put their hand up, even in a losing team, um, ticking off 
the things that we ask for and showing plenty of heart and, and plenty of fight. And it was really cool even at the end of the game to see that you know the red team was uh, Tonga team was still really cool, um, yeah. really keen to try and score a try late in the game, and, and the other team kept defending. They, they wouldn't let them score, so some of their competitiveness was part of it as well. Who stood out for you? Were there any surprises, uh, maybe some of the players that weren't part of the recent Pacific Four series? Um, I don't know if there was any surprises. We we know the players pretty well now. Um, I thought Luca Connor was great in the, in the pack going backwards, um, but of course she's already been with us, and, and I think everyone probably thought Vic Nafatali went pretty well in how she controlled the game early on. Uh, she was able to relieve pressure and, and you know um, keep the team going forward out of their half. Um, I think Amy Dupuis has been playing really good rugby all season, and her and Chelsea Alley formed a really good combination. They even swapped over 12 and 13 halfway through the game, and not a beat was skipped. So that was pretty impressive to see. I thought Hazel, Hazel Chubby was great; both halfbacks were great. Yeah, there's so much depth in New Zealand rugby, right? Just with the names that you've mentioned there. Um, one of those, Victoria Sabritsky Navatali. Uh, she hasn't played for the Black Ferns for a few years now since the last Rugby World Cup. Where where has she been, and is she back in the mix now? She's such an exciting player to watch, isn't she? Yeah, look, Vic's um, Vic's had some challenges around family, um, some even some family health stuff, which I probably uh, wouldn't mention here. She was actually picked for one of the Opeki teams, but um, due to you know, the pressure on the on the family, she wasn't actually able to compete. Um, so she was going to play rugby this whole year. She played well for Northland last year. We, you know, even though they're not the, you know, the highest performing team, her personal statistics through last season were still pretty good. Yeah. So we've been keeping an eye on her. I've been keeping, you know, in contact with her and all that. And what's really good to see is that, you know, um, she's got herself in great nick. Um, obviously, like I said, there's been some family issues in that that's, that's hampered her preparation, but... She's in good nick and um, she's really keen to play. So she, she put her hand up, didn't she? Yeah, absolutely. It was so awesome to see you back out there. Uh, what about some of the uh, experienced heads? I won't call them the old heads, but uh, the wise ones, some of the returning players, um, Charmaine McMinimum, Aloise Blackwell, Les Alder, these types. What did you think of their performances over the weekend? Oh, they were excellent. All, all three of those were excellent. I think, you know, in particular, Charmaine McMenamin mm. um, had to deal with a lot of scrums going backwards, which is never easy when you're the number eight. But she tied I think, all of them except one. She tied it up really well and, and, and even gave her team go forward at times and, uh, in their position. So it's really good to see her. Um, she's obviously had an operation on her back. She's had some trouble with you know, deep breathing and, and being able to, to do um, high-intensity stuff for long periods of time. So she's worked really hard on even her breathing. So seeing, seeing her play like that was really pleasing. Eloise, I think, took every opportunity she could. Um, playing obviously a dominant forward pack um, and same with Lees. I mean, Lees, it's a tough game when you're a number seven uh, going backwards in a team yeah. like that. So showed plenty of fight and um, yeah, played well. You've got such a tough job, Wes, uh, not just you, but the entire coaching and selection group. What, what's going to be the hardest positions to pick when you have to narrow down a squad for the Laurie O'Reilly? That's a great question. I haven't actually thought about that. Um, the hardest positions, I think they're all pretty tough at the moment. You know, front row is always going to be interesting for us because yeah. we've got to take nine to the World Cup. So there's plenty of opportunity for people to still put their hand up. And we may even, you know, experiment a little bit more, you know, bring people in, give them a go, see how they perform. Potentially over this next Laurie O'Reilly series and, and even in other positions, we might even give people a chance to really put a hand up if they haven't had much of a chance yet this year. So... I suppose the real pressure will be at World Cup time rather than Laurie O'Reilly time, as we're still probably, you know, particularly Smithy and, and Ted are still, you know, learning, you know, to, to get to know the players really well, really, really deeply. So, um, 
I don't know that there's real pressure yet, but um, it's coming. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, your journey as well. Um, before we get into the coaching side of things, you've obviously got a bit of an accent, so we would have picked that up by now. So um, your journey from South Africa to New Zealand with rugby, how did that, how did that all happen? Oh, geez. Um, I'll, I'll try and keep it short. It's been 20, 22 years now. Um, but essentially, I came over to play a bit of rugby for the Papakura Rugby Club back in 97. I uh, played a couple of seasons there, and I met a, a young lady who, I, uh, who followed me back to South Africa, and then I followed her back here, so I ended up staying and played you know, a bit of rugby until about 2002. But by that stage, I had a couple of concussions, so I probably wasn't you know, the most physical player anymore, and I was really keen on getting into coaching, so I was pretty young still. Yeah. Um, and I got into coaching through Daryl Sewers, who I was coaching the Black Ferns of Marist, Auckland Marist. So um, my first gig was coaching the Auckland Marist women's team, who had 12 Black Ferns at that stage. And throughout, I've always coached every year for the last 20-odd 20, 20 years, I've coached women's rugby. Um, but, but through that, I've also uh, moved to Manawa 2, uh, became an RDO. I was a manager for the Turbos. I did some work for NZR and coach development, and then I ended up coaching the two of us with Dave Rennie in 2011, um, which was a pretty crucial juncture for me, I suppose. I learned heaps from Rennes. Um, that didn't quite work out, and the end of 2013, I think, um, I split from the turbos and got probably pretty hard back into the women's game again. And in 2015, I was uh, selected the first time as an assistant coach of the Black Ferns. So this is the well, it's year eight for me in the Black Ferns. Very, very cool. That's well, a very brief summary, by the way. <laughs> it's great to hear your journey and your story. Um, that's what we're all about on this program. We do want to go a little bit deeper. So I'm just going to ask you a bit more. But um, what did you learn from Daryl Suosua? Yeah. Because he's been a legend in the women's game, hasn't he? Yeah, look, Daryl was fantastic for me. He's probably the best coach educator I ever saw, you know, yeah. in terms of presenting in front of a group and getting people to buy into a vision. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, he taught me plenty about the game as well. He's very creative in how he thought about things particularly in how he saw players. So oh, he was he was massive. He's pretty much made my career. So I'm, I'm deeply thankful for um, bumping into Daryl Sewers, who had Orpha Marist. And, and talk about Marist. Um, who were the girls that were playing at that stage? And and what was it like? Because uh, I've had conversations with some of our legendary players, Anna Richards of the world and whatnot, and um, they made sure that they were always vocal. <laughs> well, Anna Her was a words, college rifle. So it was a fierce... <laughs> There's fierce rivalry there yeah. back in the day. To be honest with you, with my career, the first year I coached Marist was in 2002, and we had 12 Blackfins who had just won the World Cup. Yeah. And I was a horrible coach. I was a young young coach, and we ended up losing the final to college rifles and with 12 Blackfins who had just won the World Cup. So I didn't know what I was doing. In fact, I was never going to coach again. Um, and Daryl Suisua actually rang me. I was in the construction site in Auckland in a building and he rang me up and said, mate, you've got to come back. You've got to keep coaching. The girl's like, you're, you're good at it. Don't, don't, don't step back because you've had one setback sort of thing. And it took me about two and a half hours to convince me. But um, like I said, crucial, crucial point for me in my career. Um, players in that team, geez, the list is so long. Monika Vanar, Suzy Shortland, Tammy Wilson, um, Diane Kahuta, um, Victoria Hayway. Um, I can't remember some of the names now. Ended up Juliana Manuel came in the following year, I think. A whole uh, a whole list of legends, really. Wow. Fial from Australia. Wow. Uh, back in the day. Very, very cool. That's a great story. Um, so that was massive. You were going to walk away from rugby. And, and tell us, Wes, why the women's game? Since you dabbled in both coaching the men's uh, and a bit of women's as well, what did you like about um, coaching women? 
Jeez, I could talk about that all night. Um, well, the first thing is, you know, they, when I first started, they were the underdogs. You know, yeah. women's rugby was nowhere near as popular as it is now. Um, they were sort of on the fringe of society, some of them. Um, so I, I love that side of it because the reality was that they loved the game just as much as the boys did, and they yeah. still do. In some cases, more because it's not a job for all of them yet. So the, the sheer passion for the game was the same passion I felt. So I love that side of it. Uh, the second thing I've always done is that, you know, back then especially but also now just the appreciation they always show to their coaches like they're very thankful for anything you give and, and any help and any learning so that's, that's satisfying when you're a young coach um, and I think as a young coach or even a coach now quite often you, you deal with adult well back in those days more so than now but you had adult learners who had never really played the game before so a lot of them came into the game late so it was easy to make uh, changes really quickly and, and help people really quickly and get games really quickly so as a, as a young coach that was satisfying um, but I suppose the thing that kept me going all throughout is, is that love of the game they had. And, and just finally before we let you go Wes um, what's it like coaching this incredible group of wahine at the moment in New Zealand and, and what's so special about being part of this Black Ferns team? Well look, it's been a tough year to be honest um, it started off very rough as you know in the last all the media and the review and all that, so it hasn't been easy, if I was brutally honest about it. Um, but where we're heading is probably the most excited I've been um, you know, in a very long time. Smitty and Ted and Chrono and, and even Bunce have come in and, and made, added something. Um, everything's new, everything's exciting. No, nothing's changed for me. I still learn more from the girls than they learn from me, I think. Um, we've got a special group of people that are, that are up for a massive challenge. And they're probably in the best neck I've seen the girls in years, so... You know, it's hurt them as well, um, but to see them come back and get themselves as fit as they can, and we've still got a bit of work to do, but uh, everyone in great neck, everyone keen, everyone keen to learn. The, the amount of contact I have with players is probably higher than it's ever been, so it's exciting for me, um, and I suppose personally I love being the underdog, so um, I think probably at the moment we're still the underdogs getting to the World Cup, so that's exciting as well. Well, it's exciting for you. It is so exciting for us. And we're all coming along on this Black Ferns journey this year. It's so awesome that we've got women's rugby back and that we've got the World Cup in New Zealand as well. Wes, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your insights, for sharing uh, your story as well. We appreciate it so much here. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. Wes Clark joining us, our Black Ferns assistant coach. Some fascinating uh, insights there. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed that one. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we've got, well, a really lovely piece to share with you. You'll hear it. Welcome back to the Black Ferns show. It is great to have you joining us here today. Uh, that is our Black Ferns team celebrating as well. That is their team song. They've got the culture right. They've got things right, haven't they? You can just hear it. It's the team that you want to be a part of. Uh, such an inspiring group of women, incredible women, uh, that are joining us as we lead up to the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand this year. Come along on the journey. Uh, make sure you do it because it is going to be so much fun. Uh, right. It was fantastic getting Wes Clark on the program. 
program today, the assistant coach of the Black Ferns. After that trial match in Pukekohe, interesting to hear from him. It was a genuine trial match. They wanted those ladies to go out there to play their absolute best rugby, put their hands up, and so many of them did. There were almost too many names to actually um, to list. Amy Duplessis and Chelsea Alley played so well. Hazel Trubick, uh, Charmaine McMinimum coming back from a serious injury. Luca Connor, uh, another one. So many played outstanding matches over the weekend. And what happens now? Well, our women, they go back into their Farah Palmer Cup squads that starts this weekend, of course. And the team to take on Australia in the Laurie O'Reilly Cup. Two matches, one here in New Zealand in Christchurch and the other in Adelaide in August will be selected. Uh, the squad will be selected in July. Uh, also coming up, we have Dr Farah Palmer coming on the programme. She's an absolute legend of the game. We talk uh, what it was like at that first Rugby World Cup, what her first trial match was like back in 1995. A little bit different uh, to what the trial match would have been like uh, on Friday. There was no TV coverage, no paid entrance. Completely different to what we saw at Navigation Home Stadium. And that shows just how far the women's game has come in 29 years. It's amazing. This is the Black Firms show and it is so great to have you joining us today. It's also a huge privilege and an honour for me to be sitting here and hosting this programme. Our next guest, well, the word legend gets thrown around all too often these days, but she is an absolute legend of rugby here in Aotearoa. Dr Farah Palmer, our former Black Ferns skipper. She's a world champion several times over, vice chair of New Zealand rugby, on the board of Māori rugby, uh, an IRB Hall of Famer and part of the originals, 19. 98, our Women's Rugby World Cup winning side. Dr Farah Palmer joins us now live. Kia ora Farah. Uh, how are things in your neck of the woods? You've got so many hats that you wear. I know we've come on uh, to talk about things of the past, but how do you juggle everything at the moment? Well, you know, it's a, it's a bit like everything in life these days. It's super busy, but um, I understand Wesley was on your show just before, <laughs> so I've, we've just done a tag team. He's looking after the kids, and now it's my turn. Yes, you've That's got how we operate a days. pretty amazing combination. Uh, for those that don't know, Wesley Clark, who was just on the program, uh, is... Uh, married to Dr Farah Palmer and you two do both incredible work in the women's scene and just in rugby in general in fact that is uh, Dr Farah talk to us about the first trial match you were involved in back in 1995 we've obviously seen the recent one on Friday but what was it like for you how different were things back then Oh very different you know we, we relied on scouts going around and watching club rugby or maybe some provincial rugby it was a bit sporadic in those days and um, we were lucky. We had Sue Garden Bishop when I was playing at Otago, who was a real driver of women's rugby back in the 90s. And she helped us to fundraise so that we could go on a North Island tour and play in the lower North Island mainly. And she knew that's where the selectors were and that's where they would be watching rugby. So she made an effort to get us up there. We did amazing fundraising um, with the Highlanders and all the, the men's uh, rugby games teams down there. So that was um, really the start of everything and I got noticed there. Uh, we went to the Porirua Police College for a weekend of trial games which required us to do some training. The coaches were watching us and then we had maybe one or two games over the weekend and then we all got kind of pushed into a lecture theatre at the police college there and they named the team uh, in, that, in that area and it was just an amazing surreal moment. I think my name was the last to be called out because I was actually the reserve hooker 
And I think in those days, the reserve hooker was the last name to be called out, so I can still remember that moment. What was it like when you called home uh, and said, I've been named? Yeah, well, in those days, you had to queue up for a, a landline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we were all just standing behind the one or two phones that were there and, and waiting for our turn. And, and I remember ringing my parents. Mm. And in those days, we didn't, we didn't really have a name. So I remember saying, I'm playing... Well, the women's team, my dad was like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm, I'm in the All Blacks. I didn't know how else to explain it to yeah. him at the time. And I'm pretty sure he cried. And um, my mum was, was probably nervous for me. You know, it was a bit of a shock to them. They didn't think that I'd ever make a New Zealand team. So it was a really cool moment. So tell us then, what was the first time like when you pulled on the black jersey with the silver fern on it? Yeah, so for me, I had to wait another year. So we only had uh, one game in 1995. And because I was the reserve hooker, Tracy Lemon, a legend herself, she uh, has now passed away. So she was the the hooker at the time, and uh, she didn't get injured. I think there was a time she went down a little bit sore, and she made eye contact with me and got straight back up again. (laughs) So I I realized if I really want to make an impact on the team, I need to go away, train even harder. And so my first game was in 1996. And um, it was just, once again, just these moments where you can just feel yourself having an out-of-body experience where Mm. you're looking around thinking, I can't believe this is happening, listening to the national anthem, singing it, looking down at your black jersey. It's just always real moments that you'll never, ever forget. Fast forward a couple of years and you're playing at the Rugby World Cup in 1998. Um, First and foremost, before you get there, um, how did you all make it? Because it's not like these days, right, where women's rugby has contracts through New Zealand rugby. So what was that like for you? What was the journey like to get there? Yeah, I think we were all just super excited to be playing for New Zealand. You know, that's first and foremost, and we just made it happen. I was fortunate, I was still a student, so it wasn't so much of an effort for me to make time to go away. I know there were a lot that were working, a lot of teachers, some were in the police, so they uh, were fortunate that those they were working for allowed them to take time off. So, um, and we got $30 a day, and we used to get it in an envelope. Uh, So, as a student, I thought I was pretty rich, getting $30 (laughs) a day while while we were away. Um, but for some, it was it was just a gesture. It was yeah. just to help with costs while we were on tour. We still had to do our own laundry. We had to go and get our own lunches. Um, we had leftover uh, tracksuits and uh, shirts and so forth from the men's uh, rugby teams. And I do remember we had a lot of triple XL and XLs, and everyone would be fighting over the smaller sizes just so that we didn't look like a ragamuffin lot really it's quite it was quite funny at the time I know now everyone would be like in shock and horror yeah but for us at the time it was just the honor of playing for New Zealand and that was the main focus for us absolutely um and what are your memories of the 98 World Cup what I suppose the final would obviously be the thing that stands out is that right oh yeah just just the buzz of being there in in Amsterdam of all places, you know, not what you would often associate with rugby and just seeing all the other teams there. It was just a bit of a wow moment and it was a great tournament. It was all at one place. So it was really a festival atmosphere. And I think we were the first 
team to kind of take it seriously. I think it might have been more of a festival in the past, but we were the only team that was carrying water bottles. You know, we were doing carbo loading immediately after the game. We had we had a physio. We had all of these things. And to us, this was serious. This wasn't about having a party or having lots of fun. We were there to win. Yeah. And we were there to demonstrate that we were professional in our mindset. So, what, so I remember that. I remember there was lots of fun as well. And what were the celebrations like after that final then? The first one, the first official sanctioned World Cup. And, and what did that do for the game? Oh, it was an interesting time for us because, you know, I don't know if you remember the Paul Holmes show way back in the 90s. I do. Um, <laughs> we, we got a lot of media attention and we got a lot of faxes from home. Apparently yeah. we made the hotel room run out of paper because there's so many faxes. <laughs> Uh, but we also, I don't think the All Blacks were doing so well at that time. And it was a pretty dismal time for them. So we got a lot of media attention and we made the most of it. You know, we really wanted to demonstrate that we were serious about this, that we were here to represent New Zealand. We were proud of wearing the black jersey. People were calling us the gal blacks and the lady blacks. And that's where we said, no, we want to be known as the black ferns. Yeah. Um, so there were lots of and lots of attention and it was such a cool moment to, to win and uh, to celebrate and the way we celebrated was that we just had a whole lot of junk food in our changing rooms because uh, we were on really strict kind of can't have any junk food in those days you could kind of do that nobody would blink <laughs> blink an eye really what was junk food in Amsterdam oh um, we weren't allowed Butter. We weren't allowed um, anything with sugar. Wow. So for us, we just wanted ice cream. You know, really, probably it looked like a kids' party. Probably, to be yeah. honest, if you went into it, because we all made a commitment and we all made sacrifices to be there. Yeah. And we really, really wanted to prove that we were the best in the world, and we weren't just there there to play a game of tiddlywinks. We were there to win a World Cup. And is that where the Black Ferns name came from? Was it 1998? That's, yes. So we had a team meeting in one of our rooms and we had a big discussion. You know, there were people that were at different ends of the spectrum in terms of what we wanted to be called, but we all decided that the Black Ferns was what we wanted to be named as Black because we associate that with um, sports teams and Ferns because that's what we tended to associate with female sports teams. So we just put the two together, Black Ferns. Yeah. It wasn't until we came home and New Zealand Rugby did a bit of marketing research and we also found out that Black Ferns meant was the matriarch of the forest, the mamaku. And so that was another reason why we thought, yeah, this name really uh, fits well with who we are and what we represent. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. We love uh, having a bit of history on the show, on the Black Fern Show. And, of course, we're also uh, looking ahead to the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand later on in the year. As a Black Ferns legend yourself, you've been there since the beginning. How significant is this for you? Oh, look, this is a major moment. Um, I've won three World Cups, and when I went over to Ireland and bid for the World Cup to be hosted in New Zealand, yeah. I felt like I'd won another World Cup. Just having the opportunity to demonstrate to the rest of the world how amazing rugby is in New Zealand for both Tane and Wahine, yeah. and how we can celebrate Mana Wahine here and on our own um, turf is just amazing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing 
some amazing rugby players and putting on a great festival for everybody. Well, you're amazing and you continue to inspire. So, Dr. Farah Palmer, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Farah Palmer joining us. Wow. Um, some incredible, incredible stories there. That, that was seriously amazing. Um, when we come back, we're catching up with Taylor Johnson, who will have some equally amazing stories as well. This has to get you hyped up for a massive year of women's rugby in New Zealand. Great to have you joining us here on the Blackfin Show. Our next guest is on the line, and you're going to love her. She is an absolute boss. Uh, she's part of our Sky Sport commentary team, former Manusina representative as well. She was commentating the trial match on the weekend, plus she's a lawyer and an accountant. She's just a, an, an incredible lady. Taylor Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Good, thank you, Kirsty. How are you? Gosh, you make me sound so good. No, but you are. You are that good. I haven't even mentioned all your other accolades. I'd be here literally for the next 10 minutes if I was going to talk about everything that you have done in sport, not just in rugby. Um, but we are going to start off with your journey because we do only have about eight minutes and I want to get as much in as we possibly can. So rugby, where did it start with you? Did you have a choice in the matter? Oh, I guess, like, no, I was kind of thrown into rugby from a young age. Like, my dad played um, sevens for Samoa and, like, coached a whole lot of rep teams. And as a kid, like, the only way to spend time with dad was to go to rugby. And then, <laughs> I guess, by default, <laughs> by default, I just um, ended up falling in love with it. But, yeah, I started at high school. I actually started, like, the very first um, girls team at Mount Albert Grammar School. So, where Porter picked up rugby, which is quite cool for the women. Um, and then since we started the program, like we've been off the for quite a few years. I mean, um, you know, when I was at first finished high school, I decided to play seven for Samoa and then um, fifteen while I was at university. But would much rather commentate because <laughs> at least we get paid more. <laughs> See, you're so talented. Um, I didn't even know that you started the Mags uh, Females First Fifteen program. That's an amazing thing in itself. Talk to us about playing on the World Sevens circuit and what it's been like representing your people and your family of Samoa. Oh, it's so special playing um, for Samoa. Um, you know, I, I, resp I was lucky enough to represent New Zealand in BMX and then I thought, well, time to represent my dad's side of the family and um, my, my parents used to live in Samoa as well and my brothers went to school there. And it's just really cool p being on the world stage and playing test matches for such a small nation. You know, we, we talk about how much New Zealand punches above their weight, um, you know, to the size and population of the country, but then you look at the Pacific Islands and we're, you know, probably punch a lot, a lot higher as well um, in terms of, you know, how, how well we do, but no, it's so special to be able to play, um, yeah, at that level where, and, you know, you learn from the best and, you know, I, I always laugh, you know, our other colleague, Honey hit me, she cracked <laughs> um, my ribs once um, and I never let her forget that when I was a poor little 19-year-old. Hold on, take us through the moment. What happened? <laughs> Oh, we were playing sevens in Topol, Blackburns versus Manusina sevens, and I just got thrown at absolute hospital, and I could feel honey, like, steaming towards me, and as I put my arms up to catch, it got straight in the ribs, and yeah, I can still feel the pain to this day. <laughs> Ouch, that sounds really, really painful. Um, okay, you, well, you're in the commentary box next to Honey Hiromi Smiler, our colleague, of course. Um, what has your journey been like getting into the commentary box, and when did you think, this is something I want to do? Um, yeah, it all kind of started on first fifteen. Um, I was kind of given an opportunity uh, from um, Hendo, who's 
um, sadly no longer with us, but he kind of just said, hey, we want um, a girl who kind of knows a bit about rugby to be on the um, show and, uh, on, on First 15. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll give it a go because I didn't obviously study broadcasting. I was studying um, law and accounting at the time, but decided to um, have a go and just set myself. And yeah, it's, it's been so much fun because I think as, as like a former player, you kind of just analyze the game as you would, you know, after a match and look at a game and go, okay, how did that try get scored and what led to it? Did someone shoot up or um, do we not trust the inside woman and things like that? So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, commentating. And from a young age, I, I guess I've always been quite confident um, with my opinion. <laughs> so it was quite easy to just, you know, do it on screen as well. I wasn't really shy. And, yeah, I really loved it, not only just broadcasting women, but men because they are really different. I mean, that require different things. So, yeah, yeah, it's been great. And you're amazing as well. You're setting the standard and you're inspiring <laughs> the next generation. I know that people, um, young girls and ladies, message you and ask you for advice. So uh, for people that are wondering, how do we get into it? Um, what's it like? What sort of advice would you give Would you give up-and-coming uh, broadcasters or people that are listening to you that say, I want to do what she does? Oh, um, I guess just to trust your your instincts and to trust yourself and to really back yourself and it's really cliche but um if you fail to prepare then you prepare to fail like yeah. whenever i do any broadcasting um man i've researched research so much mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'd rather have um you know have too much to say than not enough to say um and yeah just to just you know, work really hard it's not an easy industry to get into as you would know you know you've got so many accolades yourself <laughs> um Yeah, it's a really important message, a really important piece of advice. Uh, the Farah Palmer Cup, it starts this Saturday, which we're super excited about. Sky, have everyone completely covered because we've got every single game this year live, which is just awesome. And you're going to be commentating most weekends uh, for us on Sky Sport as well. What do you think of the competition this year? Who do you think's got the best side? And let's start off with the Premiership. Oh, it's a tough one, eh? Like, uh, I'm really excited to see what the Manawa 2 women can do. You know, we saw them yeah. um, play a crossover match and they were still in the championship with Canterbury and, you know, they, they nearly won it. Um, and you know, they were really strong last year. They've got some awesome young talent like Kaipo Olsen Baker and Karis Gallinger um, and Rachel Nakatu, you know, the captain. So they're going to be a really exciting team and I think the Dark Horse, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did make the semi-finals. Um, you can't look past Canterbury. They're always strong. Um, you know, they think, I think they've got 12 current or former Blackburns in their squad. Um, they also have Oumonga um, Palu, who was the um, really strong uh, prop from the Hawks Bay Tui, who's gone down um, to Christchurch. So, so, like, in that environment, she is going to be absolutely unstoppable. But you know me, first, Yeah, I'm a proud Waikato girl, <laughs> so I'll be cheering, cheering for, um, the, you know, the women's team there because they, they are the reigning champions. Um, and they've largely got the same side too, but I think it's going to be interesting because we probably won't have, you know, the Blackburns Devons and a lot of the Blackburns players playing. So it's yeah. really going to be about the depth of each squad in the Premiership. But yeah, it all starts this weekend, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's so exciting, isn't it? Um, who should we be looking out for if there's if there's one player? You always have your finger on the pulse. I mean, you've played with so many of these of these current <laughs> ladies, whether it be at school uh, or post school in Farah Palmer Cup yourself. Is there some youngsters coming through? Like Maya Joseph, I thought was awesome off the bench at the trial match. Um, who, who do you think we should be looking out for over this competition? 
and oh, give us some pretty. names. I, I really like, yeah, I really liked um, my Joseph. Um, it, it's hard because there's so many young girls who are, have already been identified by the Blackburns. Look at like Liana Mikaeliku, who's yeah. you know two years out of high school and already in that. Same with Kaipo Olsen Baker, Kelsey Tanetti. You know, these girls are just in high school and they're already in the Blackburn setup. So, you know, those people I'd point out, but I definitely think someone who's not a Blackburn who would be really awesome this year is Kara Salinger. You know, a lot of people say she was unlucky not, you know, the Blackburn squad um, at the end of the Fire Palmer Cup last year. So I think she would have um, learned from that and will be just trying to perfect her. Um, skills and, and get there so, yeah it's, uh, there's so many women to pick from but yeah. I really like Kara Stellinger for um, one or two well I've got a circle around Kara Stellinger I'm going to be watching her closely um, throughout the competition and Manawatu as well as a dark horse in the premiership in the Farah Palmer Cup just quickly before we let you go uh, who are you commentating this weekend and what is the big game of the opening round um, I think definitely the the big game to look out for is Auckland County. That's yeah. the one I'm doing, not being biased, but <laughs> because it's, it's such a big rivalry. And a lot of the girls have swapped teams. You know, there's some people who were playing for counties last year now playing for Auckland and vice versa. Um, and it's, you know, a, a huge cross-town rivalry. But then another big game too is Manawatu versus Waikato because Waikato are the reigning champion, whereas Manawatu, you know, they've got something to prove. So they want to come out with a bang. And then also, you know, the last game, Wellington versus Canterbury. I mean, that's going to be huge as well because Canterbury only just snuck into the final um, after beating Wellington, you know, in the last stages of that match. So I couldn't pick one. (laughs) Well, to be fair, they're all great matches. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the program. You, like, brighten every room that you walk into and you've just done that on the radio (laughs) airwaves as well. Um, Thank you for sharing your story and go well this weekend and for the rest of the season as well. We'll have to get you back on. Thanks, Kirsty. Have a good night. Thanks, Taylor. Taylor Johnson, Sky Sport commentator, doing a wonderful job. Awesome to hear where it all started for her. She had no choice in the matter, but uh, she has done great things in rugby, whether that be sevens, fifteens, playing as a referee, and now in the commentary box and on the TV screens as well. Well, it is a massive weekend for women's rugby. The Blackfern Show all done and dusted for this week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.